Hey there, and welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Susan DeSenzi. In today's episode, which is the first that is being published and aired after an eight-month hiatus, I'm going to share a little bit with you about this journey that I've been on over the last eight months with a little disclaimer of full details medically, so if it helps you, beautiful, so that you understand a little bit more about the lessons that I learned, not just from this medical situation and this hiatus from my work and my life and obviously the podcast, but also where I learned I was hiding out. So the episode today is called, Dear Susan, Where Have You Been? Because it's not just about where I've been physically and why I've been absent, but also where I was emotionally, spiritually, psychologically, and mentally over the last eight months, and what I realized. So some of what you might learn from today for yourself is understanding where maybe you're hiding out and not being your full authentic self, or not living the life that you truly want and desire. I hope you enjoy today's show. And if you'd like to connect with me to have any kind of conversation or connect with others, please feel free to reach out to me, Susan at SusanDesenzi.com. I hope you enjoy the show. Well, I'm back. Oh my God, it has been an incredibly long road. And... It has been since December, late December, since my last episode was published and aired for your listening pleasure. And in that time, I found a lot of things that were coming up for me from an emotional, spiritual, psychological, and physical perspective that put my show on hiatus. And that's the reason that I'm back with you here today to do this very special episode titled, Dear Susan, Where Have You Been? Because I think it's relevant to not only the journey that I've been on over the last, gosh, what is it now, eight months or so, but also how you may be kind of hiding out a little bit and not showing up fully and wondering where and who you are and where you've been in your own life or your business. So let's kind of backtrack a little bit so that you have a little bit of an understanding of what's been going on. So a couple of years ago, I started having some physical issues, some pain in my kind of right upper quadrant uh, kind of below my right breast and down along my rib cage. And my primary doctor at the time kept thinking it was my gallbladder. And we did a gallbladder test and it showed that I had 85% function. Okay, then obviously it's potentially not my gallbladder. But over the last two years, I had a little bit more pain and problem. I never really noticed that it was anything to do with food I ate though, which usually would be a clear indicator that it's your gallbladder. And in my case, it wasn't. Now I have been known to be a bit of a medical anomaly and a medical marvel, and that I don't present anything medically from a textbook perspective. I'm actually quite the opposite. I present symptoms and issues 
that kind of baffled the doctors for a period of time. And I had to learn to be a bit of my own advocate and push on, on my own for myself because I knew I wasn't crazy. You know, you know, it's that, that kind of you visit with your doctor and they look at you. And especially if you're female, they're like, Oh, are you under a lot of stress? It's probably emotional stuff. Yet you know what you feel. And I knew what I was feeling. And yet I couldn't seem to get anywhere. So back somewhere last fall, I started having a few more issues a little bit more regularly. More pain, obviously a bit more bathroom issues. And it was really the pain, though, that got me, right? Because we can all eat things that cause some digestive upset here and there. But this was different, and I knew it. And it came to a head in December when I became very, very ill and it progressively was getting worse really over November and December, but really heavy in December. And I was finally put in the hospital toward the end of January and told after doing another gallbladder function test that my gallbladder was only operating at 15% capacity. Okay, great. What do we do? Oh, we take it out. Okay, awesome. So they took out my gallbladder and I was hoping and thought that maybe that would be the end of the story, that now it would just be a little tiny bit of recovery from the surgery and life would return to normal. I'd get back to my work and my life and all of those aspects and all of the symptoms and all of the pain that I had been feeling will be gone. And the interesting thing is that the day my doctor released me from the hospital, he said to me, you know, Susan, I kind of have a feeling this isn't the whole problem. And I said, you know, Doc, I think you're right. And of course, we were right. It wasn't the whole problem. As I continued into February and March, I was getting worse. The pain was intense. I was on multiple painkillers per day. I could not sit upright. And my life had basically stopped. I wasn't working. I was barely functioning. It took all the energy I had to take a shower, and that was only happening maybe once every five days, and oftentimes that was with the help of my husband. And I would be so out of breath and so short of breath, I was like, what is going on? I, I know that I have been relatively inactive, but I have had you know, surgery before where I had a longer recovery period and I wasn't mobile. And yet I wasn't out of breath like this. I wasn't short of breath like this. I didn't have this kind of pain. What the hell is going on? And while my doctor is a phenomenal individual and a good doctor, he was once again, medical Marvel Sue, a bit baffled. And finally, when I had kind of the push within me and the gut instinct to say, mm, you know, something really isn't right here. Maybe I should go see a specialist. And he and I, my doctor and I talked about it. And I went to see a gastroenterologist that there was a specific test that she said, hey, you know, let's, let's do this test and see kind of what's going on. And it's called a fibro scan. 
And it's to check your liver. And I'm not a drinker. I, I mean, I may have a couple of drinks per year. That's it. You know, maybe like at a, you know, for a, a birthday celebration or my husband's birthday is New Year's Eve, maybe on his birthday, if we're celebrating, you know, with other people or sometimes just him and I. Occasionally, you know, if we'd go out to dinner uh, for a birthday or anniversary kind of situation, but I, I really am not a lover of alcohol. And so I, I just couldn't imagine that it really was my liver yet where the pain was and how intense it was and how things were stopping me seemed like it potentially could be my liver. And lo and behold, I have this scan done. I leave the doctor's office after the scan, very quick kind of scan. It took maybe 10 minutes. No sooner did I leave the doctor's office when the doctor is calling me. And he says, Susan, you have something called NASH, which is, stands for non-alcoholic steatohepatitis. And this is caused by the fatty liver deposits that are in my liver and in probably most of our livers if you're in the United States and you eat the standard American diet. If we tested anybody right now, who lives in the U.S., in the Western Hemisphere, chances are high you're going to have fatty liver deposits. Now, I had known this. Years ago, I had been told that I had some fatty liver deposits. But no one ever told me that these fatty liver deposits can progress. In rare cases, in a small amount of cases, I'm not sure how rare it is, but they kind of said in a rare or small amount of, of situations, this fatty liver deposits or what you might have been called, you might have heard the term fatty liver disease, NAFLD, that in a small number of cases, it can progress into this NASH. And within this NASH, there are grades, kind of like what they do with cancer, where they stay, say stage one, stage two, so on and so forth. Well, with NASH, there are these grades zero to four. And four is the highest. And that means that you are probably in a situation where you either have cirrhosis of the liver or you have liver cancer. It's pretty severe and pretty irreversible. But levels two and three are indicative that you have these fibrotic tissues in your liver. Your liver has turned kind of not so fatty per se, but it has shifted now from just this fatty deposits to kind of this very beginning scarring fibrotic type tissue. It is reversible through lifestyle change. I was stunned. He told me I had grade two, that that meant I already had some fibrotic tissue and it was really at a critical point where I needed to change my lifestyle or I ultimately was going to end up with either liver cirrhosis or liver cancer at some point in the future. Now, the reason that this is very, very important in my world is that my father passed away nine years ago from something that we say idiopathic, meaning unknown origin, idiopathic cirrhosis. None of my family are drinkers. 
thus why I never really became a drinker either. My father did not have hepatitis, and he was not a heavy set man. And we found out that he had cirrhosis of the liver literally one day when he turned toward me after I came home from a sleep study, and he said, you know, I think I might go see Dr. B today, and if I can't get into her, then I'm going to go to the urgent aid center. And I said, Dad, I said, why? Are you sick? I mean, you look okay. You're eating breakfast. You seem fine. Are you not feeling well? And as he turned to me, I swear to you, he looked nine months pregnant. Now, where I live in Illinois, there is an urgent aid center that is tied to a hospital. And this urgent aid center has a, an online kind of form that you can fill out to avoid the potential of a lot of people waiting in a waiting room. They have you fill out this online form and then they tell you what time to come to the urgent aid center. I filled out the form for my father that day, November of 2011, and literally within five minutes, I was getting a telephone call from the nurse at the urgent aid center who said, sweetie, we cannot take care of that here. This is an emergency, and you need to take your father by ambulance right now to the hospital. And I said, what? I said, he's sitting there having breakfast, drinking his coffee, he's talking normal, he looks normal, he doesn't act sick or say he feels sick. I, I, I Really? It's an emergency? And that's because his nine-month pregnant-looking belly was very firm and rigid, and I had said that in the online form. And she said, oh, yes, sweetie, by ambulance right now. Because if there's any problem on the way to the hospital and you're driving, you won't be able to attend to him, but a paramedic could. I got off the phone and shook my head and went, okay. And I went over to my dad and I explained the situation to him and he was pretty resistant about going, but he conceded and we called the ambulance and he was taken to a hospital. And sure enough, that night, they said he had cirrhosis of the liver. And that what he was experiencing was all this fluid buildup as a complication from the cirrhosis, and it's called ascites, and they literally took nine liters of fluid off his belly that weekend. Nine liters. They continued to ask me for the next four days, are you sure he doesn't drink? You sure he's not a drinker? Could he be hiding the liquor? Could he be drinking on the side? I said, oh my God, no. My father has lived with us for nearly seven years. I've grown up with this man my whole life. He nor my family are drinkers. He is not a drinker. He's not a closet drinker. Why else would he have cirrhosis? And then they tested his, you know, liver to see if he had hepatitis. That was negative. And again, he was never really a heavy set man. So size, weight, isn't necessarily indicative of these fatty liver deposits. It's basically more about some of the foods that you've eaten and have eaten for so long that they create a fatty deposit in your liver that over time can then become fibrotic and turn into this NASH, which ultimately can lead to cirrhosis. Now, for years, 
my brothers and I thought that my father's cirrhosis was probably due to a whole bunch of different medications he had been on after a near-fatal car accident he had been in in 1997. Now, remember, this is 2011, so this is only about 14 years later. Nope, it didn't seem to be that. Actually, what we're finding now, we never did an autopsy. My dad didn't want that. But due to my diagnosis, what we're finding out now and recognizing through talking with doctors and so on is that the chances are high that my father had this NASH, this non-alcoholic steatohepatitis that progressed unchecked over years that developed into cirrhosis. So when I was told this diagnosis, I just was in shock. I have not taken the best care of myself physically through the years, and I have not always eaten healthy. I mean, you know, how many of us do, right? I don't know about you, but I know I have gone through cycles where I would eat really super clean and healthy for long periods of time. And then I would, you know, life would get in the way, work would get in the way, and I would kind of fall off and eat a little bit shitty here and there. And little by little, some of my old bad habits would come into play again. I really didn't think that much about it. And because no one had ever told me that this non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, which they had never told me I had. They only told me I had some liver deposits, fatty liver deposits. I never thought about or knew that it could progress. Now, the other piece of this, and then we're going to get into kind of where have I been emotionally and mentally and spiritually, because that's a whole part of this journey. I just wanted to give you some physical background first as to where I've physically been with this understanding, it also came on a day that was exactly 16 months prior to my 58th birthday. Exactly. Well, no, I think it wasn't exactly. I think it was within a few days. My apologies. It was within a few days of my 16th uh, of 16. It was within a few. Bleh, let me start over. It was within a few few days of it being exactly 16 months until my 58th birthday. Now, that's important because my mom passed away 21 years ago. And my mother passed away from terminal lung cancer. She was terminal from day one. And they had told her and us that she had, with the type of aggressive and virulent form of lung cancer she had, that she probably had two to four months to live. But she lived 16 months, and she passed away 35 days short of her 58th birthday. So I'm diagnosed with this NASH grade 2 almost to the day 16 months prior to my 58th birthday. And that combined with the awareness of what potentially was the cause of my father's cirrhosis hit me so hard that I knew that I had to make changes. Now, up until that point, emotionally and mentally and psychologically and spiritually, I was being tapped out. I was drained. I was frustrated by my physical health. I was beyond frustrated that I wasn't able to sit upright, 
that I couldn't work, that I couldn't get out there and do what I love to do, which is not only talk with you, but see my clients and help them move beyond the shit that has held them back. I felt like such a loss of my sense of self that I felt depressed. I felt tremendous anxiety. I felt incredibly frustrated and angry because nobody seemed to understand how to help me up until that day that I had that fibro scan done. And again, that was only because I pushed with the gastroenterologist and said, I know I'm not crazy, and this is not a byproduct of the surgery. The surgery was laparoscopic surgery for the gallbladder removal. It wasn't that big of a deal. I shouldn't be having this type of problem, fever, pain, exhaustion, fatigue, the shortness of breath. And she ran a few other tests just to be sure that I didn't have like, you know, a a blood clot from the surgery. She even had me go back to the surgeon for clearance that I was totally fine from the surgery itself, which at this point was, what, almost seven, eight weeks prior. And I did all that and everything was coming back, you know, looking pretty good. And I said to her, something just isn't right. I'm I'm not a nut job here. And that's when she said, let's do the fibro scan. I kept telling her it feels like my liver. Now, I, I'm not this big anatomically aware person, but I know where my liver was. And I knew that the pain was right below my right breast, down below where my gallbladder would be. And if you cut down the middle of your chest, create a swath all the way to the right, to the very bottom right of your rib cage. And the pain was so intense that I was having to take painkillers. And the pain was so intense that it was causing this fatigue and the shortness of breath that any activity was knocking my ass out and just causing me to feel incredibly drained. Well, okay, so I'm diagnosed with this NASH grade two. I'm told that basically I can reverse it through lifestyle change. I need to lose some weight. Clearly, I'm overweight, given, you know, that's, that's, that's an obvious one. And I knew that I had to change some of my eating styles and eating habits. And I actually love more fresh, whole, raw, crunchy, you know, real food. That's just always kind of been my thing. And I know and I get that not all people like a good salad, but I love a good salad. And about uh, 11 years prior, I did a little experiment due to a high cholesterol issue at the time. And I researched for a few months what it would take for me to drop my cholesterol because I was refusing to go on any kind of prescription medications for cholesterol issues. And my cholesterol wasn't that super high, but the doctor was, my old doctor was pretty insistent I needed to go on uh, statins. And I was like, absolutely not, because I knew that statins can affect your liver. So it's very interesting that I was concerned about my liver. And yet, 
you know, and I didn't want to go on these statins, but I was shoving shit in my face sometimes. Go figure. Anyway, I spent a couple of months researching, and I ate about 75-80% raw for about two and a half months. Now, the important piece about that is that in that time, I was working a full-time job, and I had two private practices, a group practice and a solo practice. I was a pretty busy person. And I honestly did not have time for exercise with the amount of work I was doing on a daily basis, six to seven days a week, and where I was driving to my practices and to my full-time job, I literally did not have time in a day to fit exercise in. And yet, in two and a half months' time, I lost 30 pounds without exercising one minute. Now, again, I'm not proud of that fact, but that was the situation. The more important thing was that I dropped my cholesterol from 240 to 160 in two and a half months. And when I went back to my, my old primary doctor at the time and he redid my blood, he said, oh my God, we don't even see these kinds of numbers with statins, with medication. What did you do? And I said, I ate the way you're supposed to eat. Now, I'm not saying I ate salads all day long, but I did eat a lot of vegetables and fruits, and I did not have any chicken in that two and a half months, nor pork. I ate beef only twice, because at the time my father was alive, and there was a special dish he made only twice a year that took many, many hours to make, and he happened to make it during that two and a half month period, so I did have a little bit of that. But basically, I ate fish and a lot of fruits and vegetables. And I was quite happy. I felt like I had the energy of when I was 16 years old. I'd start my day off with some juice, live juice that I had just juiced. And then it would be basically fruits, vegetables, and some healthy proteins throughout the day. Okay, great. So I lost this weight. I felt wonderful. I fell off of that kind of eating style because my work became incredibly stressful and busy. And what time I had set aside for lunches to eat a healthy salad, to eat something that takes a little bit longer than 10 minutes to shove in your face, that time was diminishing. I was now having 15 minutes in between emergency clients and then my next scheduled client to eat lunch. And little by little at the hospital where I worked, I worked with psychiatrists where drug representatives were coming in on a regular basis and bringing lunch every day, little by little, because I knew I had to eat something that could sustain me for another four or five or six hours, I started eating a little bit of whatever the drug reps brought. And of course, over the next month, six weeks, I completely fell away from the healthier lifestyle of eating that I had been doing. So when I got this diagnosis the very end of March, I knew that I needed to return back to that place. But the interesting thing was that what started coming up for me now was that belief in myself, my confidence, my sense of self, my sense of self-worth had been so shaken by these several months now of this physical problem. 
and this pain. It had taken its toll. And in my depressive thoughts and feelings and in the, the narratives, the stories that I was telling myself, I started to not feel that I could do this again. Maybe not like I did 11 years ago, obviously with more balance now and not so strict and rigid as I had been 11 years prior. But I, I just didn't think that I could really step in and do this the way I knew I had to if I wanted to be healthy and have longevity in my life. And what that also brought up was the awareness that up until that point, I had not really been living my full authentic self anyway. So, you know, the title of this episode is Dear, Dear Susan, Where Have You Been?, yeah, of course, it's where have I been for the last eight months because you were listening regularly to the show and then all of a sudden, boom, there are no more episodes. I'm not online. I'm not on social media. People have reached out left and right over the course of those first many months and I was too sick and, and not in a space to reach back out or to be online or to check my phone. Those in my family who know me know that if they really needed to reach me, they would go through my husband because my phone typically stays in my office when I'm ill. And because I was ill for months, obviously I wasn't checking my phone for text messages or voicemails. So I really basically dropped off the face of the earth. And yet I recognized in that that I had been hiding out. The truth be told, I love this podcast. And I love showing people and mirroring for people and holding that space for people to learn how to truly be a fully spiritually expressed human being. And that means living your authentic self. And here I wasn't living my authentic self. I wasn't standing in my full power I was hiding behind labels, right? I'm a psychotherapist. I'm a coach. I was hiding behind the labels of I'm a podcaster and I need to do this podcasting thing a very specific way. Even though in my mind, I didn't have specific ideas of how I had to quote unquote do the podcast or record it, I noticed that I was still kind of not being authentically myself. I was hiding out. And that was out of fear. That was out of my fear of really putting myself out there in all of my spiritual and humanness and being rejected. That was my fear of being seen as someone who was this quote unquote credible person because I'm this psychotherapist and I'm licensed and I've helped thousands and thousands of people through my career. And now all of a sudden I'm going to introduce light weaving into the session or sound therapy, or I'm going to pull cards for you, or I'm going to intuitively do some healing work with you because I get this this hit and this knowingness of what's kind of going on for you. Oh, shit, I, I couldn't do that to the full extent before when I was in practices. Not taking insurance. See, it felt, 
you know, kind of unethical to me. It felt like I was not really doing what I was hired to do. And I also didn't have some of the clients who were ready for that or open to that. And I had to honor that. But I knew when I left my practices and the job six years ago that I wanted to practice my way, that I wanted to do my work and what I was called to do and what I was passionate and on this planet for in a way that was authentically real to me. And it wasn't just clinical and about moving through depression and anxiety and different mental health states that can get you caught up. I knew that it was about really teaching people how to stand in their power and feel that freedom that they have the choice to get unstuck from their past, from their thoughts, from their belief systems that have held them back in ways that they kind of knew and sometimes didn't even know. And yet here I was recording episodes of this podcast prior to now in a way that sometimes felt a bit inauthentic, meaning I'd hold back a little bit, or I wouldn't ask the questions maybe I really wanted to ask. And I don't know if you ever heard that or you ever picked up on that, but I became painfully aware of that piece through this physical illness and through the time that I was basically down for the count. I had a lot of time to self-reflect and do a lot of deep introspection about where I am in my life right now and where I want to go in the future and, and how I want that to look, not specifics, but as an authentic, spiritually fully expressed human being. And really for me, what that means is that sometimes I'm going to struggle and I'm going to be pissed off about something. And I'm going to say, fuck it, I can't believe I did that or I didn't do that. Sometimes I'm going to feel like I'm not being 100% authentic. And we'll all feel that way. And guess what? I'll continue to feel that way, I'm sure, as time continues to move on. The difference now, though, is that now I know how to recognize that compared to before. Because before, again, I was hiding behind some of the labels, some of the, oh, this is the way I'm supposed to run a business, or this is the way I'm supposed to build this, this business or this podcast or this, you know, client base or whatever. You plug in any value that is relative and resonates for you. But there was all these kinds of thoughts and feelings that said, oh, I'm supposed to do this. And I realized I'm not supposed to do anything except be authentically me. And authentically being me means showing up however I'm called in every moment of now, whether it's a new client, an old client that I've had for years or, you know, months, that if, if I feel basically guided to say something specific or to take an action in a specific way, I have to honor that. And I really wasn't honoring that. And, and you know, the truth is, it felt like my podcast from December prior was kind of going off the rails again. It was like I would do this interview, which were with phenomenal people who had incredible things to share, don't get me wrong. 
And then the following week, I would do a a monologue single episode where I would talk more about that interview topic and I would go into more teaching and depth and kind of, you know, uh, dive deep, you know, dive deeper into it. And that was beautiful. It was fine, except that it wasn't really 100% me when I was doing it. I was still hiding behind kind of who I thought I needed to be in this space of podcasting and in this space as a businesswoman and in this space as a, you know, quote unquote, therapist who is coaching and teaching people how to live their full expressions of their humanness and their spirituality, again, whatever that means for them. And so this was an important lesson on where I've been. Because where I've been wasn't just this physical kind of stopping point. It was the universe's way of smacking me over the head with that, you know, proverbial universal two by four to say, look, Chicky Poo, you are basically 16 months prior to your 58th birthday. And again, the reason that's important is because years ago, before my mother passed, when she passed, I had this continual nagging feeling that if I didn't change some of the things that she could have, I will follow her into an early grave. Now, I don't know if that really was and is the truth. It could become this kind of self-fulfilling prophecy where I manifest that because I believe it so deeply. But it wasn't that. It wasn't that I believed it. It was this kind of gnawing universe's way of whispering to me, you can change things. You better change things. How come you're not changing things? We love you so much. You need to change things. If what you say you want is this longevity and health in your life, then there are things you need to do now to change it. And I didn't until this diagnosis, the end of March, 2021. And because of that awareness that it was almost to the day, 16 months prior to my 58th birthday, because of that feeling I had with my mother so many years ago, because of my father and the fact that he had this unknown origin cirrhosis, it all kind of came full circle for me that it wasn't just where I'd been hiding out from taking care of my physical body and my physical form, but it was also where I'd been hiding out spiritually and emotionally and psychologically and mentally. And all of that talk that I gave to myself about, you know, you're amazing and you've got this and you have these gifts and talents and you've been doing this for years and you're good at what you do. There was still a younger part of me that was terrified And what I came to realize this past June, when I attended a business retreat with my business coaches and my podcast coaches, I realized that terrified can be the same as excitement. Think about it. If you're on a roller coaster and you really like love them, but you hate them at the same time, you're kind of terrified of all the, you know, drops and turns and twists, but at the same time, you're excited to ride this ride and you're excited for the ride it will take you on. 
it became clear that some of my feelings of being terrified and some of my own imposter syndrome fears and thoughts and beliefs and and some of my own lack of sense of self-worth was really coming from this place that the closer I got to, you know, living all the time in that excitement of helping people step out of their own way and step out of their past and step into their full power, the more it felt almost terrifying to me. And yet at the same time, it was exciting. So moving forward in the podcast now, I want to share with you that there will be many solo episodes where I'm really going to be bearing myself to you and sharing my journey with you, not just my journey through trauma and and all that I've experienced in my life within the traumatic realm, but how I got stuck and how easy it is for, for you to get stuck, how easy it is for me to attach meanings to things and 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 grow these attachments to things. And by doing that, I'm actually kind of keeping it away and pushing it away. And I know that you may have the same issue because this is how we get caught in the past. We attach a belief and a meaning and an idea to something, and then we just don't know how to really move through it or past it in a way that no longer controls us. So I'm excited and terrified at the same time, because guess what? There may be times on this podcast going forward where I may break out into a very ancient galactic light language that may sound like gibberish to you. And I would invite you that if that happens, that you just close your eyes and open into whatever it may trigger and, and, you know, what it may trigger in you from a place of feelings, from a place of resonance. And it may mean that I may pull out some of my sound instruments and do some kind of sound work via this medium, this podcast, that I'm no longer going to follow a formula. It's going to be whatever it needs to be as I share my journey with you, and I would love to hear the journey you've been on. I'd love to hear how these episodes resonate for you. And I would love to hear if you felt this content was beneficial for someone else that you shared it with one or two other people. As I am stepping more into my power, I know unequivocally, without a shadow of a doubt, And I've known this since I was four, but I don't think I could really define it the same way until now, is that my purpose for being on this planet is truly to help you step into your infinite possibilities. And I have said that before, but it's now really moving through all of the stuck places that have held you back. And it's really moving into a place of real empowerment and standing fully in that power because you, if you're listening to this podcast, which thank you, I know that you are, you are a light worker, a light being who has been given a mission to share your gifts and talents with the world and create that impact. 
And a lot of this you have heard me say in one way or another before, but it feels clear to me now. And you know what? Sometimes not having the clarity sucks ass, but there's always room for that clarity to come when I release kind of my attachment to needing to know. So I invite you to join me each week again as I continue sharing my journey of increased health and wellness. I've lost over 20 pounds already. I have a lot more to go, but it's a start and it's slow and steady and it's balanced and that's different than anything I've ever done before. It's now really about a life change for me from an emotional, physical, mental, spiritual, and psychological perspective. It's really a truly an honoring of all that I am, even when that seems terrifying and scary and confusing. So I look forward to seeing you every week. And if you have something you would love to share with me, please reach out to me at susan at susandesenzi.com. The email address is susan at susandesenzi.com. I would love to hear from you and hear how we can work together just by being, uh, you know, some a host and a listener, right? Not work together as in physically, maybe, but really, truly just hearing from you, knowing how you're moving forward and how these episodes resonate for you. I hope today's episode, you can plug in your own name. Dear blank, where have you been? And you can ask yourself, where have you been hiding out or hiding behind something? Whether it's the past or the present, where have you not stepped into your full power and where have you not shown up? Whether it's out of fear or belief or anything else that may be coming into play, I honor you, I adore you, and I look forward to talking with you again next week. I'll talk to you soon, but for now, be the authentic you that you are so you can be the fully ex- spiritually expressed human you were born to be. Ciao for now. You've been listening to the Spiritually Expressed Human, where conformity is not an option, getting out of the box is critical, and spiritually expressed means becoming the badass of your life while attaining freedom and inner peace. If you're ready to start that process, go to susandesenzi.com and click on the free gift tab to get started. You can also get the link in the show notes. Thank you for being here. And if you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe on your platform of choice. Until next time, be the spiritually expressed badass you are meant to be.